Check one, check two. All right, all right. Welcome to the Cannabis Coffee Hour with your host, me, Rob Cantrell. Oh man, I am excited about this episode. I got a great episode, a great guest, an old friend. Uh, he was just in a movie called The King of Staten Island. He has a great animation show on Netflix called F is for Flam Family. He's one of my old friends. Give it up for Mr. Bill Burr. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Rob? Good to sort of see you. Yeah, I know. I'm at an angle. How's this? I just mean, no, I meant more like hanging out in person versus over uh, over the computer here. But, you know, any port in a, in a pandemic, right? Yeah, I know. It's uh, all hands on deck and play it as safe as you can. But we're working it out. And uh, I don't it's mind rough. the Zoom thing. As I don't mind the mask. They get annoying, but you know, it's still, it's still better than nothing. Yeah, I don't mind it either. And I hope, you know, when they cure this thing, get a vaccine, and I don't know, everybody gets on the same page and it burns itself out. However it leaves, I just hope that the Zoom thing doesn't go away. The Zoom meeting is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> it's the greatest so thing too. ever. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there's still a meeting. Meetings are a pain in the butt. But it's never been easier to do somebody's podcast. It's never been easier to, to pitch shows and have meetings, whatever the hell you want to call them. And I don't, we've had this technology forever. And I always talk about how it was a buddy of mine. His brother was his big time lawyer and, and he'd do these big corporate mergers. And he was forever getting on these planes to fly to China and India and all these places to go meet these people. It's just like, why don't you just do a video conference at like three in the morning? Throw a suit yeah. on. What are you doing? So, you know, now that the entire state of California is uh, sort of uh, on point for the uh, global warming or whatever, if you believe it or not, I don't know. It'd be probably be better for the environment if we kind of did it that way. So who knows? It's coming around, Bill. You know, it's just so many people, but I do think we're all evolving and as a I just, you know, this whole pandemic has made me rethink what being a human is all about. You know, it's just like uh, all the money and power and all this, you know, I hear you on your podcast, I hear other people, but you know, it's really about ha happiness and family. And uh, it's nice to have like a wife and kid and to go through this has been a pain in the ass. My heart goes out to everybody that's struggling or gone through it or lost somebody. But at the same time, I'm just in a zone where I'm just trying to take it every day and think of the positive. And now I'm with you drinking kombucha. Yeah, well, that's the way to do it. That the problem with is if you go on social media or you watch CNN or Fox News, it's just like there. That's the Jerry Springer show, and it'll give you a horrible view of humanity. That is an extreme minority. I think most people are chill, nice trustworthy people but um you know what they show you there on the news and you know it's it's a crazy thing now that anybody there's room for everybody to have a tv show <laughs> you know there's that many slices of the pie so now i think everything has to have a rubberneck element to it to get people to stop and look when you go from like three channels to infinite channels to a hundred thousand shows or whatever um, that, that, that I, I just think you just got to keep lowering and lowering and lowering your standards or whatever. So like, you know, I think, but the good shit comes through, you know, I think no, it absolutely just, does. What I'm saying is how I stay positive is I don't watch the news. Yeah. Don't, I don't the watch point, the news. That Supreme I'm justice woman who What's just that? passed away. The Supreme justice, uh, whatever you call him. Yeah. I really. had never heard of her. <laughs> and I was not going to do that thing like everybody did when uh, Nipsey Hussle died and everybody tries to act like they were the biggest. It's like you just downloaded an, his, his greatest hits right after he died so you could pretend to be the person that was into him. So I'm not going to do that with that uh, Supreme Court uh, judge. No, no. And people pass away and, you know, it's a, it, but it does remind you that life is precious and that my thing is like, you're you're around my age. Like we, I do know people that have died like in their twenties and thirties. I'm just at the point now that if I make it, if I'm waking up and my heart is ticking, <laughs> I'm taking my uh, 
COC 10. Are you on the COC 10? No, but I was scheduled to get my heart checked out. I had to reschedule it because of, uh, you know, this tour ended up going a little bit longer than I thought, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I just lost, uh, you know, I lost like three friends this year. Close, like I was extremely close friend to just people close in the comedy community in like the last year. Um, you I'm know, sorry being you out of the though. business and it's, no, it's just one of those things where your sins catch up to you after 40, 50 years. So I try to tell young people, I say, uh, save up some fun days. Don't use them all up like me. Well, I feel like I used them all up. So now, you know, I just had a beet salad, you know, they're good though, man. <laughs> They're delicious. But, you know, back in the day, just having a pizza was awesome. But now you got to look at it like, man, that thing could kill me. So, I you know, know, I'm an old dad, so I got to make sure I hang around. So we need to do the best man. I yeah, can. You pump blood through the heart. And, you know, the way we grew up was just straight grease and bacon and, you know, potatoes and grits. You know, I ate terribly. Not bad. My mom always had me on wheat bread early on and that type of shit. But uh, as I get older, yeah, like I don't, I do hamburgers like people do cocaine, like every couple months, like I'll have a ham, that, that's like me. Oh, that's the great, yeah, no, I did, that's uh, like when me I was growing up, is getting a hamburger. Yeah, when I was growing up, it was a lot of, you know, processed food, white bread, red meat, milk, cheese, all of that stuff. And uh, so Some I think, uh, you know, whatever, I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing the What's best. Your morning I can. ritual, like Bill. What do you? What do you? What do you do? You like coffee? My morning ritual is, well, the kids get me up. Yep. My morning ritual is I go into my uh, after my daughter gets me up and I make her breakfast. I go into her room and she watches Peppa Pig on my phone while I do her hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good daddy. Does she go for a single ponytail or a double ponytail? Uh, I'm beyond that. I'm I'm French braiding. Oh, um, I'm doing uh, yeah stuff. I'm learning how to put the beads in and all of that's you know. Ah, uh, dude, you're better. I mean, that's that's anybody that's braid. I could do a high ponytail. I could do a double ponytail. My wife takes over. But but French braid, that's like whoa, Bill. It's not that bad. It's just it's just knowing how your fingers are supposed to be. You got to be closer down to the scalp. You know, you just section it off. You tie off the one section you're not going to be messing with. But, uh, you know, she she loves when I do her hair, but I really think it's be just because she likes, she gets to watch Bugs Bunny or Peppa Pig. I'm hoping <laughs> when she gets a little bit older, like, you know, we'll get to talk about her life, you know, whatever's going on in her life, her frustrations with the ABCs or whatever stress she's dealing with. I don't know. So, yeah. It's just being present, dude. And that's what you're doing. That's the thing with the family thing is like, uh, I just try to be present. You know, I try to get off my phone. I don't try to fuck around. And I, if I'm hanging out with my wife and kid, I'm just hanging out with my wife and kid. I'm not thinking comedy. I'm not thinking future. I'm not thinking past. Yeah, I'm bad with the phone. I definitely get talked to a lot about that. And it definitely feeds into my, uh, you know, I'm over here, I'm over here. I'm an ants in a pants kind of guy. So, a, you know, smartphone. It's just, you know, cracked for me. So I was doing this great thing for a while where when I was going to bed, I was just reading and it was mm. great. And it wasn't great. heavy level reading. I was reading about old NFL players and stuff, but yeah. it was enjoyable reading for me. And, um, I, you know, I, I think I was maybe sleeping a little bit better uh, that way as opposed to just sitting there. But now it's like football season, hockey playoffs just ended. NBA is getting to the NBA finals. So it's a, like all this crazy, awesome stuff is like happening right now. Baseball's getting into the playoffs. It's really, uh, are they? Wait, no. Baseball will be the normal time for the playoffs. I don't even know how they're doing it. The NBA is getting fired up right now, right? Like they're going into the NBA is in the, uh, I think it's the Lakers versus um, the Heat. The Heat beat my Celtics. So now uh, if the Lakers beat the Heat, then they'll be tied with the Celtics for most championships of all time. So this is like a big, this is a big deal. I'm not a huge sports dude, but that uh, Michael D Jordan documentary was just so awesome. And I- uh, you, know, you know what was awesome about it is you finally got to hear it in his words. 
And there was a number of people in the press that were complaining that, well, you know, he was the director, he had final say. It's like, well, that's what you guys were. The whole 40 years he's been in the public eye. It's all I've heard it from is from mushy, unathletic sports writers. What's going on with this guy? So I would love to hear his version of what you guys told me happened. And um, I, I, I loved it, man. I absolutely yeah. loved it. And I and gave I, a good I, look to Larry Bird too. I mean, that uh, Larry Bird's just just an awesome athlete in person. Like uh, with him, you know, I'm not even into sports, but I could tell he's just a hardworking, you know, no bullshit dude. And uh, yeah. with him hanging with Jordan and him giving shit to Jordan, those guys giving shit back, like it just made him more human. And I thought Jordan, yeah, the gambling thing didn't bother me. Like I totally got it. Like he was going for it. You know, he was 100% going for it. And what was human about it that I thought was dope was uh, just his beginning, just the fundamentals. Like he was all about like at UNC learning, the, he's always like the game of basketball. You know, he puts it yeah. as the game, just keeps it really simple. And the same way- I like that he told the story. Drums. Yeah, the story that he cleared up for me was um, how his dad got killed. And then it was just a couple of knuckleheads, random thing where, it was all these idiots trying to say, oh, it was Jordan's gambling debt. And yeah, they're not going to whack your dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? some golf, like high roller yeah, golf. Yeah, yeah, you owe me yeah. money on, yeah. Those are so, fat rich dudes on golf courses with enough money to play that type of shit. Like, yeah, his dad passing away, those random things. Yeah, my dad died when I was nine in a, in a car accident out of the blue. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. So uh, I saw him that morning go to pick up my brother from summer camp. And super strong, athletic dude, played, uh, had a full ride at Virginia Tech in the 1950s to play basketball. It's about 6'2". Right. My dad was every, just a strong presence. Uh, but I saw him that morning. And then two hours later, I saw the, uh, the highway guard come up to the house and tell my mom what happened. And he fell asleep in his car while he was driving. So it was uh -huh. like, uh, he just ran off the road and it was completely random. And it kind of, ever since that moment, I've always been kind of just like, this could go any second. And the same thing going back to kids and parenting, the things that I do remember, was he a great dad? Was he, he had a temper. I'm from the old school. I got whipped with a belt. He was from the South. My granddad was a, was worked in, the coal mine. That's amazing because you don't have that vibe at all. Like I, I always liked you because I liked your vibe where I was just like, I wish I was more chill like this guy. I'm wound up like a, like I don't know what, something wound up, but you always just seem like chill. Like, yeah, man, that's great. You always had a good heart. You're rooted for people. You had a I good do. spirit. You wouldn't know that all of that stuff happened. That's amazing that 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 your chill vibe was not beaten out of you. Yeah, 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 no, no. And he had a chill vibe. It was just, it was the time, man. That's how he grew up. And uh, yeah, just the, your show F is for Family, which I relate to so much. You're just a few years older than me, but I was born in 72 in the city. And then we grew up, you know, I was born in uh, Northeast DC, grew up there until I was in the third grade. And then we moved to Buena Vista, Virginia, hardcore rednecks. But uh, I grew up in the 70s. I got paddled, I got paddled by a public school teacher in the seventh grade for fighting. But yeah, I've always been chill. I've never wanted drama. Like I've never, I'm complete, even on football teams and wrestling teams, I was always goofball, always loved comedy, always loved music, always loved, uh, yeah. So that's always been my vibe. And I think even going through such a dark thing, like the dark side is cool, but you know, there's, Eventually, the, the negativity and the cynicism, like I see a lot of the nihilism and the cynicism of the 90s and like people that are, you know, comedians and stuff like that. Like, it's just like, it runs a course to where it's just negative, you know? There's, there's gotta be some type of light at the end of it all for me. Oh, I literally, I, I'm allergic to when people get going like that. I used to wallow in it. Yeah. And like when people start talking to me about big things and about what's going to happen, I just go, listen, I can't listen to this I because you don't have any solution. You're just bringing up horrible things with horrible predictions 
there's no solution at the end of this. And then you're just trying to drag me into your emotional state, which I don't want to be in. Yeah, I don't need that you know? vibe. Great, an asteroid's coming. I don't need to know that. <laughs> Let me just be sitting here having a good time watching a football game or whatever. And then it takes me out. You know, I don't need to be sitting here trying to, you know, contemplate, I don't know what, how I'm going to get out of the way of it, which I can't because no. it's too big. It's too big. So, yeah, I, that's why I don't watch the news at all. And I don't read comments on social media unless it's like I just put something out and I want to test the waters. But I only read to the first negative one. So if I can go about 9, 10 on the Internet and not get anything negative, I'm like, all right, that's doing pretty good. But everything yeah. else is just like, you know, I'm not going to sit on a dunking stool while someone takes their childhood out on me, you know, that day on Twitter. It's just like, all right, I get it. You know, you're way too angry about this. So I know it's got to be something else. So I, I really try to, uh, I, I think all of that stuff, global warming, we're going to figure it out. We're going to, everything, we're going to work it out. We're going to do this virus. We're going to do it. We're going to do it because we always do. It we always does. Do. It's a part. And, and then somebody else, us. until we don't, <laughs> until we don't, then the sack guy. <laughs> uh, man, that's, uh, I, I know I don't have that you're much of your time for long. And I wanted to talk music with you because you're a uh, music taste because you do love music. And that's what trips me out. And you do love metal and you're a proficient drummer and you know your shit. That's good like for you. a comedian. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> But com comedy, I always have, I mean, this theory, you could shoot holes all in it, but with drumming and stand-up, as you always said, spinning the plates, and I love that term, like, just like stand-up's about getting, you know, getting to a rhythm, getting to like this, and that's pretty much what drumming is, you're just putting the backbeat, but there's different styles of that backbeat, but there, uh, it's both keeping time. Yeah, there is a... Um... I guess this, I would actually just say that it's everything is the same. Drumming, stand-up comedy, the moment when Hulk Hogan, that third time when they go to drop his arm and he puts it back up in the air and he gets that, he, he's listening to the crowd. Comedian yep. is listening to the crowd. A band is feeding off of the crowd. They're listening to each other, but they're really, there's a, uh, there's that dynamic, that push-pull thing, you know, and, I remember seeing this this documentary on Michael Jackson, his last tour. And he had this moment where, you know, he's rehearsing and he was coming up. DeRosa showed me this and he just froze. And, you know, for whatever, while the crowd's going nuts and then the band wanted to jump back in and he goes, no, no, let it simmer, let it simmer. And I just love that he used that term where, you know, someone like him who made it look so easy how great he was as a performer it, that, that he is listening. You just think he's up there. Like that's Michael Jackson and we're all humans. Right. But he's up there as a human being listening and knowing the precise moment when to move again to make 90,000 people absolutely lose their mind and feel like they got their money's worth this is incredible. incredible. So, um, and I also think that that's why the some of the best performers are nice people, empathetic people, because you 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 have to respect that performer crowd relationship thing. And the, you know, the second you're up there, just like, yeah, man, it's me. <laughs> you know, it's over. It's over. It's, <laughs> it's over. It's just like. Yeah, 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 that moment true. is precious. That's the thing is like every night you can say, oh, I do my jokes or I do this song this way. But every moment is different. You know, every moment is different. And a good performer knows that like once you step into a bit like this is always going to be different. And I have to read the room. I have to feel the temperature, the vibe, you know, what's going on in the world. Like, uh, yeah, you really you really have to open your heart to the moment completely with being a good artist, I think. Well, you know, what's fun is to try and learn skills on, on an instrument that you have as a comedian, like to try to be, to improvise, to try to be as free and trying to uh, 
make that leap from stand-up over to drums. I just can't, I don't play enough. I, I wasn't blessed with the skill that a pro drummer has, the gift, I should say. But it, it, I'm always amazed at guys who play drums where they'll, they'll play a phrase which leads to something else and then they play all this stuff, then they can come back to that phrase and then play a little bit more off of that or, or it's just like they're playing a song and they don't even know that they're gonna solo and the lead singer kind of gives them the look and then the solo has to kind of fit in, if you're good, fits in, it complements, it's an extension to what you were just playing and that you can come up with that off the top of your head is, uh, I, that, it's more impressive to me than being able to improvise as a comic because right now I'm practicing talking. Yes. And I'm practicing listening, like we can all talk. Where I feel like as a, a, a musician, you have to learn how to talk again. Yeah. And then kind of speak through whatever the hell it is you're playing. That's why I always loved hockey. Hockey of the big four, that's the only one we need to learn how to walk and run again. <laughs> Everything else, no matter how much you suck at baseball, if you make contact, you know how to run as fast as you can down to the first base. Where with like hockey, I mean, just the hand-eye coordination, the puck's going that way and you're drifting away trying to be like, how do I get my body to get over there when I first started playing? It's crazy. It's oh, really hockey's a crazy the toughest thing. ass sport. All hockey players, I mean, I grew up playing lacrosse because of Virginia and uh, DC, but hockey players, I went to college and two of my best friends were from Chicago and played fucking hockey since day one. And they're tough and drank and could fight and funny as hell. And uh, I love them to death. But yeah, it's just the it's just tough. It's like man tough. <laughs> it's just oh yeah, like, it was too tough for me. I didn't I didn't. It's too didn't tough play. for me. It's ice. It's hard things. When you get hit when it's cold, it's so much like it's hurts so much more than getting hit when it's hot. Yeah, I just played pond hockey with my buddy, so it was always screwing around. But when I got older, you know that epiphany when you suddenly realize, like as a comic, like hey, I'm selling tickets. I can afford to buy hockey stuff. You know, and then you got, and we got together and we did this thing for like, for, for five years, from 2010 to 2015, me, Steve Byrne, Nate Craig, all of these guys, we would play pickup hockey um, in the Valley. And we'd just have a blast. We'd have like the ice from 1130 to one o'clock at night. But then what happened is we all got married and had kids. And it's just like, your kid doesn't care that you played hockey till one in the morning and you couldn't get to sleep till three because you were so wired. And they come bursting in at 5.55, 6.30. Yeah, you might as well have gone out and drank the whole night. You're just going to feel like you're hungover. <laughs> yeah. Did you drink after the hockey games where they break out the beers with Steve Byrne? Man, I wanted to so bad, but it's L.A. Everybody drives. So, like, playing pickup <laughs> hockey in New York, you know, you could, you know, have a couple of tall boys or whatever and before you headed home. But, like, I always felt like the, the, the beer after hockey was was – I mean, that's just the greatest thing ever. Um, I just loved at the end of it. You would just pour in sweat. You had a great time, killer workout. Um, I have not skated since September of 2015, and I need to fix that. So I've been talking to my daughter. She wants to go skating and everything. So I just got to wait till my little man gets a little bit bigger, sleeps through the night. I think occasionally I'm going to try to sneak off I figure maybe you can finally get a decent ice time during a pandemic. Then yeah. you got to get everybody tested. Yeah. I don't know. That's COVID safe, man. COVID, yeah, it's too icy out there. And you're on pads and you're shooting the puck, man. You're keeping it six feet. That's a good sport for the vid. <laughs> you got that. Uh, man, uh, w real quick about music. Like, uh, what's who's your favorite drummer? Is it John Bonham? Is that, that's the easiest one. Because I know you're a Zeppelin fan. Yeah, everybody loves him. All as far as like maybe different guys to people who um, aren't drummers. Um, all right, I Steve Jordan, huge. First time I heard him was on the first Blues Brothers album, Briefcase Full of Blues. Then oh, wow. I got the Made in America one, and then all of a sudden he was the late night drummer on Letterman. And then he was with expensive winos with Keith Richards. Yeah. And by then I started playing drums. He was on the cover of Modern Drummer. And I have just followed his career. That great documentary that they, they uh, Keith did when he put together the band with Chuck Berry. 
Um, yes, with Keith Richards, that one, Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll, like that movie. Yeah, I mean, that's just incredible. And then, you know, they have the big argument in there. And just, I just remember, Steve, like there's a point where Keith wasn't playing something right. And so the band would kind of drop out as Chuck and Keith were getting into it. Every time they dropped out, like you get to hear Steve Jordan's groove without all the other instruments, just for like a half a second. And just how incredible it was. Um, I've always like been that into- Muscle Shoals like group. It's like, is he American or is he an English dude? Like I think dudes- No, he's an American dude. He's an American dude. I forget where, where he came up from, but I know he was, he was really into baseball and actually switched to drums late. Like how good he was and how fast he play, started playing drums. I think when he was like 15, when he did Briefcase Full of Blues, um, he was only uh, 21, 21 years old. And, and, and that, that live one, when, um, when he was at, uh, they were at the uh, Universal Amphitheater, which became the Gibson Theater. Um, this is the I guess I guess Mick and Keith were there and saw him or somebody came up and they said what's I I I I know a, a bunch of stuff I got to see Steve Jordan a couple times play live I remember one time I was doing uh, a benefit this yeah. big benefit in New York and I was backstage and I just heard this band playing I was like man listen to that drummer oh my god and I walked out and I looked out and I like stared for like eight seconds going oh my god that's Steve Jordan. That's Steve Jordan. And then I got to meet him and it was incredible. And uh, last time I was in New York over the summer, I got to, I got to watch him play uh, a private show, some big record executive or something like that. And he just had this killer band with the horn section. And it, it, it was amazing. I've never caught him though when he's been playing with John Mayer though, somehow. Another one, another random guy uh, um, that I like. Every, all the drummers, Vinny Colaiuta. Um, Who's he so from? A most mainstream thing he's probably played on was um, Sting's 10 Sumner Tales. Hmm. And what's great about that, if you want to get into some nerd drum stuff, is a lot of the album is in odd time, just meaning not in 4-4. And I guess Sting wanted Vinny, he, he wanted it for the mainstream, you know, because he wanted to have a hit record, I guess. He wanted people to not really notice that it was in 5 or was in 7. So... Um, the stuff that uh, Vinny plays on that, uh, like on Seven Days, which is in five, which is amazing, is his legs and his left hand, I guess you would say, are playing in five, and his right hand is playing in four. Oh, so his shit. right hand is just going one again, two again, three again, it's just playing da 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 but because it's five, one again, becomes one and a two the next time around and it flips each time. Oh. But the phrasing underneath stays the same. It's it's an amazing that makes my another one that's in seven and he's it. just he's playing like quarters. So he's on the bell of the ride symbol. So he's hitting the quarter on one, two, three, four. And then the next time around, because it's in seven, now he's playing the ands. He's playing the upbeats. And if you just really isolate and listen, like, I mean, it's genius what the guy's doing. James Gadson with Bill Withers, who unfortunately passed away. Yes. Another guy, like, I like, I'm a groove guy drummer. And then as far as like jazz drummers go, I would say Tony Williams is the bottom of jazz drummers. And I would say he's arguably the greatest drummer of all time. Like I- um, More than Buddy Rich? Yes. Wow, Buddy Rich is just too pizzazzy. Like you're going super technical. No, it, it, Buddy Rich. No, Buddy Rich. Um, absolute one. I'm obviously all of those guys are beasts. Absolute but, but Jordan. Tony Williams. Rich. Yeah. All right, for the nerds out there, I got an album that my drum teacher Dave Elich told me about. It's called Four and More, and it's nice. Miles Davis. They're live at the uh, Lincoln Center and the. The, the rumor, the story behind the album is that right before they went on, Miles said, by the way, this is a benefit. Nobody's getting paid. And the band was pissed. <laughs> and they went out there and everything was a little bit faster. And if you listen to Tony Williams on his ride cymbal, it's just the fact that his stick doesn't catch on fire, but it's so clean and you can hear every note. And he did all of this stuff 
what he was doing with time that I, I, as far as I know, and I'm just a comedian here, so I don't know quite all this, but I don't know that there was names for what he was doing. They had to come up with names <laughs> like metric modulation and stuff. Yeah, man. So what, what he would do is, you know, the classic one, two to three, da na na da na na da na na He would play that, he, he'd play that, he'd just play it, he'd play like one, two to three, da 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 he played fast on a song where most guys would just go bing, ding, 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 he'd turn it around, he'd put the hi-hat on all four beats rather than on two and four, playing that jazz, the, the, the spang-a-lang, 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 and then he would do it with eighth notes and just kept speeding it up and doing all, there was one song that he played on, um, I go in and out of listening to his stuff, and then I go right back to my ACDC and Guns N' Roses, my safe space, Yeah, yeah. and then I'll branch out or whatever, but. Um, I was gonna ask you about Cinderella. Cinderella, I love Cinderella. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gypsy Rose. I saw them open for ACDC on the Blow Up Your Video tour. What are you, who do you yeah, think man. you're talking to here? Yeah, 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 I, I know your I love age. Fred Curry, was a great, great, great drummer. Especially yeah. the time that he came up, um, there was a lot of flash. And the, like the 80s was really about the show. Yeah, he was, and they came out of cheese metal, but out of that cheese metal, like Cinderella, I liked. I was like, a couple of their tunes, like Gypsy Rose, I like that dude's voice. I was like, these guys aren't cheese. Like, yeah, they were cut above. They, they were cut got, above. You know, and then Guns N' Roses came in and just shut it down. Uh, yeah. And then- so Steven but, Adler, getting him was, was, out of all those bands, he was my favorite because he was just so unique where yeah. everybody was playing a double bass kit, even if they were just playing four on the floor. Maybe like if you went to see him in concert, they'd bust out the double bass and start running underneath because they just played on the toms or whatever. But um, he showed up and had a little four piece kit. And I feel like he got more damn music out of that little kit than these guys who had like these Neil Peart size kits. And if you listen to what I love about unique drummers, who can really come up with these drum parts is if you pull away all the music, even the layman can listen to the drums and know what song it is. Because there's a lot of guys that, you know, if, because drums are drums, it's not like you're playing a note. You just sort of have dynamics. I guess you can push in the head and do all that type of stuff. But like, you're not playing like a note. So a bass drum's a bass drum, a snare's a snare. So if you don't switch it up a lot, you know, which, there's an art to that too with a guy like Phil Rudd, who I absolutely love. But um, to actually come up with these unique drum parts, Steven Adler and John Bonham, Tommy Lee, like these guys where they just, they- The dude they, from The Who, like this weird personality. Yeah, oh yeah, Keith Moon, like they, they come the up, it's like the song within the song. Like the bass player doesn't play the exact same bass line, but as a drummer, you can really, in a, you know, playing rock and roll can kind of, get away with uh, maybe not being the most creative. But having said that, that's what I love about Phil Rudd, is Phil Rudd is so like stripped down that when he adds an eighth note bass drum, or maybe plays a little fill or does, or even just hits a cymbal, it becomes such a moment in the song. And I like the way that that guy can like, can like gets to the Michael Jackson thing, the simmer thing, the way that he can build and release tension now, by when he decides to hit a symbol, to not hit a symbol. And like, I mean, there's a lot of like, it's a weird thing. Like, I feel like um, with drums, a lot of times, like a fill or hitting a symbol is the same as that final chord you play, the resolution chord yeah. that can make people like relax. It's the same thing. So I think those genius drummers, when they, they start to understand that and you're doing the Hulk Hogan thing where you, you know, picks up the arm, it drops. That last time when you don't drop, you're trying to build these moments because when you're a live poem, you want people to lose their fucking minds. You want to melt their faces. You want to take them on a ride. And so that gets back to that thing we were talking about, how you have to have empathy and you have to be humble because you have this responsibility for these people's evenings. And you also want them to come back and see you. So you can't be up there for you. You have to be listening to, to the needs, what I need to do here. I mean, you can be self-indulgent, try some new shit, 
you know, take them to a creepy place, but you got to be able to walk them back. Yeah. <laughs> to the main was, corridor was, at some was, point. That was ACDC's drummer, right? Is Phil that, Rudd, yeah. Yeah, I just, and I've listened to ACDC my whole life. I remember when they first went out on tour, one of my best friends was in a speed metal band called Nosferatu. And uh, for Great nothing man. else matters, they wore his t-shirt. Like I knew some serious speed metal dudes in Virginia. Yeah. Like some dirt baggy, like rock and roll. And those were some of the first shows that, uh, that I saw. And so I, I do have like affinity for metal and good, good rock drumming. Did you see the Ginger Baker uh, movie? Yes, I did. That was wild. And when that was he wild. said that was John a hard Bonham, for me. when he said John Bonham couldn't swing a sack of shit, like I, my jaw was on the ground. And then I died laughing in a comedic way where this guy's like a stand-up comic slaying something precious because no one has ever said that. Yeah. And to say that on film and to just dismiss him. But I got to be honest with you, like I don't have, I got to listen to more Cream and Ginger Baker because my ears must not be advanced enough to understand what I'm hearing because when they brought up John Bonham in comparison to Ginger in that documentary, Eric dismissed him. Not saying he was a bad player, but he went like, oh, no, no, no. Like, not, like he was saying, like, not even the same ballpark. But he was like, I guess he was really into Elvin Jones and could hang with those guys in that form. You could hang but with I the just, jazz crew. Like Ginger Baker, like jazz, yeah, I mean, so, rock and roll is rock and roll. is kick ass, busting your face. Jazz is high technical, you know, it's it's a higher level in some ways, some people thinking, you know, a higher level of music. But rock and roll I think is it's, still- it's a different, it's a different thing. But I will say where the, where the, the I don't know what you call it in jazz, but where the beat is, in that in the swing of jazz, which is why there was so many great drummers in the 60s and 70s, because they, I feel, because they listened, they grew up listening to their dad's records, which were jazz. So they had that swing pulse. That swing them. beat. It was in their DNA. So when they went to rock, they, they, had, they had a swing to their playing. And I felt the groove was deeper back then. And then what happened is when music got so heavy, you know, um, and then my generation came along. We started at Zeppelin and Sabbath. And, and even though that those bands had these drummers that were swinging their asses off, like the sort of the, the, the implied beat on it was, I mean, I watched like, you know, I watch a bunch of old drum videos and it's funny, you know, you watch white crowds in the fifties they'll clap on two and four when they're listening to a jazz band. And within 20 <laughs> years of that, they've now gone to clapping on one and three or on, on all four beats yeah. because it's like, dun, 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 dun. It got, it got real slogged down into the mud. But what was funny was those guys, so many of them were jazz drummers. And, um, no, I know what you that's mean. That's also why I feel like a lot of their fills that was so snare based, because like a lot of those guys, you know, it was all about rudiments and, and you use toms as like accents. And then the, as the kits got bigger, it's, it's really a fascinating thing. And you see the ebb and flow, just like in comedy, where it, you have the 80s, you know, starts in the 70s, these comedy clubs are coming up and then the 80s, boom. And then anybody with a mullet and their hair pulled up can somehow get on TV and tell jokes. And that's almost like the end of the era, like the end of hair metal. And then yep. grunge comes along and it gets stripped down with us. It was like alternative comedy, which people don't remember when it first came out was great because it was a bunch of beast club comics that did it. But then what they did was they created this scene that people could go into and just stand in front of a room full of them. So I would say that that by the third wave of all comic, it was sort of hair metal <laughs> in like 92 or something like that. Yeah, it all runs its course. Whatever becomes yeah. king runs its course. That's why you can't really believe the hype and just try to, you know, work from, you know, real relationships. Because Yeah, uh, or just keep doing what you're doing, which is yeah, definitely what, what I learned from ACDC. Yeah, I never fit in with the alt crew or the funny bone crew. Like I've always done my own, and I think I remember ACDC wouldn't get written up in Rolling Stone. 
neither was Led Zeppelin was kind of looked down. Now they're like worshiped and hipsters are like, oh, this is the end all. But during the 70s and 80s, they wouldn't even play them on regular rock and roll. Like it was like, yeah, you had to know somebody or yeah, to get turned on to Kiss records and get, get turned on to ACDC records. I just heard a new ACDC song that I didn't know, but is amazing is Riff Raff. Oh yeah. Uh, last song, first side, Highway to Hell album. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, there's some deep cuts. Like, I know Ride On. Like, I know oh, my no, deep wait, wait. Cut. Riff Raff was good for a laugh. I think that's on Power Age. I think that's on the very old. No, I'm sorry. It, isn't that on Power Age? Yeah, isn't I think it's on Power Age. It's a Bond Scott. The stuff that's I right. saw. That's right. Power Age. Last song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the, uh, I'm a, a fan of this band called Clutch. And uh, the lead singer, Neil Fallon, covered it. And I was like, I never heard this tune. And it has kind of a lot of stand-up reference. It's a, it's a cool tune. I got to look it up. Yeah, Power Age. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, Power Age. I used to not pay attention in class. And I would write out every song of every album of ACDC in order. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bon Scott or the other guy. It's hard to say, man, because Back in Black is such a good Brian album. Brian Johnson. Yeah, All right, here's Brian what I would say. I'll say that my favorite album by each and then the most underrated. So I would say my favorite, Bon Scott. That's a hard one. Um, Power Age is obviously the underrated one. And... Because um, how it's recorded sounds cool. Yeah. I would say... I do love the live album, but I might have to go Highway to Hell just because I love um, I love the second side of that album. And I and I also, as a fan, I just love the direction. You know, so all the albums were like so raw and then they were finally starting to break and they had a little more production value to it. And um, Phil's drumming got a little more busier. By yeah. busy, it's still like, Really, Stephen like King put them in a whole, got him score a movie. They did Who Made Who? Yeah, Who made you, Brian Johnson. Ever see everybody loves the Back in Black album. My buddy Joe Bartnick and My myself love too. Flick of the Switch. But lately, in the last few years, I actually think the best sounding ACDC album ever is For Those About to Rock. I just think it's the crunchiest the guitars sound and. And I love Phil Rudd's drumming on one particular track, COD. I just love, I, I, when I get back off the road, I have a playlist and that's the first one that I play to. And I just bash the shit out of my drums. I have so much fun. Like that song, Get It Hot on uh, second song, second side, Highway to Hell. Um, COD, I'll check out. Um, I haven't heard that. Care of the Devil. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like i heard that they had an absolute nightmare recording that album because whoever produced it was taking forever to get sounds and they were going out of their minds but um i didn't you know i didn't for the longest time it was pop rock i forget who it was i'm sorry sliding down here I, I remember that Def Leppard album. Did you go full in on the Pyromania album when it broke? Because that was almost as big as the Michael Jackson album, as I remember. Pyromania. Pyromania, in the last five years, I downloaded it again and listened to it and was absolutely just blown away. And then the, the album before that, too, whatever that one's called. Diver Down. Yeah. Those Diver ones Down. Are, is that got is some Diver good? Down, I think that's a Van Halen album no but there's one that there, there somebody's diving in the in the picture and there's like a truck i remember Isn't it that high album. and dry yeah high and dry that's high and dry yeah diver down was van halen yeah, alex van, van halen. halen ridiculously underrated drummer just because he he plays with eddie so everybody Dude, was van so halen blown drummer. away by eddie meanwhile alex van halen's his phrasing his drum parts his sound they sound like congos. Hot for teacher, that beginning, yes. that it has like yeah. this congo jungle. And just the creativity to come up with that. Yeah. To make it sound like a, a, a you know, a fast car idling. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, uh, I, I only have you for a couple more minutes. You've been too good to me. Uh, it, what, what are you, where are you at? I know you've never been a big pot smoker. 
but where are you at with cannabis with the country in terms, I don't even know if it's political, where are you at with it? Do you care or not? Or what, I mean. I was never used to be into it. And then I quit drinking in 2018. So, and then like, it kind of all got like legalized. And so I'm one of those guys, I'm a lightweight, like I'll take a gummy here or there. Yeah. Um, I'll take a hit here or there, but generally speaking, uh, I've kind of been straight edge, which is hard, man. Like I have such, I used to do a bit about that straight edge people just every day taking life in the face. <laughs> I, I, I got up like, I got a couple. I know of, life uh, is hard, man. You get thrown so many curveballs, and I live in New York, and I've been here since 2005, and I'm like, I never stop getting curveballs. Like I never, it never. I like, I, yeah. I think I get to a point where, oh, I, I got this figured out, and just fucking always. Can you imagine if you're high though? If your release was, is if you actually learned how to meditate properly. If you gave those assholes enough money, and they gave you your chant word because they turned it into a business. Um. If you did that and you could read and you could actually unwind doing that, because I try it with drums. That's what I do, man. Uh, I, I The phone kills me. I practice bad guitar. I stretch. I do these things called the five. Uh, <laughs> you'll make fun of them, but they're the I five. I won't. I love stretching. They're like these. They're what? Stretch What's that? What are they called? Sorry, I'm talking over uh, here. The five Tibetan rites. And oh, dude, five you got to send me that. Yeah, they're five stretches, and it's supposedly they're all core strength, all simple. It takes it takes maybe twenty minutes, but it stretches everything out. It's Tibetan monks. It's what they do. It's called the Fountain of Youth, but they do it. But it's a lot of like, it's a lot of core. It's a lot of just like stretching this because we're sitting down and driving and eating hamburgers. All oh day. yeah, I've I've discovered the psoas muscle as everybody does when they get older. Well, uh, but the problem is your psoas muscle. So. I have like, uh, I have three killer stretches Ooh. for psoas, you know? I got the usual, like the cobra, that yeah. one. That's then a there's, one. Uh, there's one, it's a variation. The next two are a variation. One is basically, if you were going down to genuflect in church, you don't yeah. let your knee touch the ground, but you kind of come down and then you reach up like this and then no, with one hand, just one hand. One hand. Just one hand, and then you you bend over like that. So it's uh, it's the one leg is bent, and you're supporting your weight. You reach up with the opposite hand to that, and then the last one is you just like get up against the wall, and you actually you put your 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 leg up, uh, your knees on the floor, and then your legs almost like right behind your glute, your butt cheek there. And then the yeah. other one's a genuflect pose and you just you sort of try to bring the navel up and that stretches. And I'm telling you, cause so many times I had like lower back pain. I thought it was my back. It was actually my psoas was tight from sitting on airplanes and all kinds of shit like that. So I don't know. Yeah, I know that one. You got to stretch out, you stretch out the chest plate. It opens up the heart, opens up the stomach. Yeah, you got you to gotta work it out, man. I know. Uh, and I look at like my dad, love my dad, but I don't think he, I don't think I ever saw him trying to touch his toes my entire life. <laughs> I can't imagine like his range of motion. It's just like, I don't want to be like that, especially being an old dad. Like I am, I got to make sure I, uh, same, know, same brother. Here. I know that, that, that cube formation after 50, they just become like these refrigerator boxes, like dudes of our age, like our dads just, they didn't stretch. You got to stretch the fucking You know machine. what a doctor said to me one time? When I was like 48, 49, sliding into 50, he goes, yeah, he goes, uh, he, what did he say? He said something like, yeah, it doesn't get good from here on out, what he was talking about. I'm just like, I, I, I called him. I go, why would you say that? So much of your health is based on your mental. And you just put that astoundingly, like, you think I don't realize that my mortality, I understand, I, I've contemplated it. But my whole thing is, is I'm going out the way I want to go out, which is like, if I'm dying in a week, I'm not thinking about dying in a week. I'm thinking yeah. about the fun I'm going to have in that week. So this guy like literally just turned this, the, the, this little sand hourglass thing right over in front of him. Look how much sand is down here versus up here. It's just like, I, I can do basic math. I can double my age and know the odds of me hitting that. I get that I'm on the back nine here.
Yeah, but that's just a dick, you know, it's just like, that's just a negative way of thinking. How I always think about it uh, lately, it's just like, I like getting older. I like, I, I'm learning more about being myself, how to present myself just as myself. And I heard a cool, this is, this is my positive vibes, but you know, uh, when people become millionaires, Bill, what age the 98% of the millionaires out there, when they become millionaires, at what age? No. 45 to 55. This oh, is the time go. to get the fucking money. This is when you make all the mistakes, all my 30s, all those showbiz mistakes, Bill. I'm learning, man. I'm humbling. Yeah. I'm moving well, that's the forward. thing. You, you, you learn from your mistakes. And then uh, also, it's easier to save money. It's easier to save money when you're older because you, so much stuff you don't care about anymore. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And it's a lot less pressure. You know, you found your wife. You guys love each other for eat for who you are. So you know, you don't have to be dressed to the nines everywhere you go. You can chill. Yeah. You know, my show tonight got rained out. How hilarious is that? I never had a show get rained out. <laughs> So my wife's going like, oh, we should go out to dinner. So I'm going to do it. But in my head, I'm like, this is like the first night off I had. Yeah. But I get it. I get it. Yeah, you might have. To, yeah. <laughs> With the family. Thank you for taking the time, Bill. I let you get back to your fam, man. You're the best. And I appreciate you, man. I appreciate your friendship. You've been there for me. The, the few times that I've reached out, you're so busy. Every third time you get back to me and you, uh, and I'm you, sorry. you come I'll through. Try to, I'll try to get better at that. No, dude, you don't I have to. You, you, don't have to you got better. such a cool vibe. And now send me those those uh, five Tibetan stretches. I I will. I will. I will. Uh, and I'll, yeah, try, check out the Tibetan stretches. I'm trying to meditate. Give my love. Say hi to Joe Bartnick. Is he there with you? Joey B, the godfather. Of course he is. Yes. Of course he is. And I'll... Uh, I'll, uh, I'll promote this, so send me a link. Let me know when it's coming out, all right? I will, brother. Thank you, Bill. Bye, man. All, all right, right I'll talk to you later.